0: good morning i want to welcome you here yeah thank you i want to welcome you here to uh second baptist so glad that you're here i wanted to let you know something maybe you know this maybe you don't but sometimes when you go into a new setting if you're new you wonder you know who are these people what are they about what are these songs listen we have people everywhere on the continuum of spirituality here. So, some people are just starting out, some people in the middle, some people at the end. So, wherever you are, that's where you are, and I'm glad that you're here. I remember it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, many years ago, I was coming back from college And uh, I was with a friend of mine who was a roommate and uh, I was looking forward to, you know, having my sheets washed and and for the semester and and having some Thanksgiving meal. And as I was driving down the road coming back, my, my friend named Bill said, hey Ben, I think I'm gonna take a nap. I said, that's fantastic. So he does off, went to sleep. I'm just driving down the road, listening to the radio, have my sunglasses on. I think I'm so cool and with it. And all of a sudden I decided I would take a nap too. Yeah, I fell asleep, asleep at the wheel. So you can imagine if you were driving that day on the road, if you saw two guys, college students, totally dozed off. I don't know how long I was asleep, but I do remember when I woke up. Boom, I hit this bump and I looked up and my car, our car was headed right to the ditch. I mean, we're just going right into it. And I took the wheel and I went boom and tried to adjust. But in those situations, when you've been napping a while on the road, you overadjust, and so I overcompensated and, and my car started to do a 360 degree spin. And I remember when it was spinning, It's weird how how you have thoughts coming to your mind in split seconds. If you've ever been in those life or death situations, I remember thinking to myself, we were about to get hit. We're about to get hit by an 18-wheeler and it is over, over. Fortunately, obviously we we did not get hit, spun around, and the car ended up in the ditch, boom. And my friend, Bill, who's very stoic and non-emotional turned to me and without a beat, without yelling or swearing or doing anything. He just said, well, Ben, do you think we're stuck? (laughs) And I said, Bill, I don't know if we're stuck or not. I really don't care. I'm just glad to be alive. Glad to be alive. Yeah, so someone, we eventually got out and pulled ourselves out of the ditch and got back on the road. But I thought about that experience because if you've ever fallen asleep at the wheel before at the car, you know how incredibly dangerous and life threatening that is. Yet, so many times right now, as, as I look around uh, the church world, as I look around our culture, I see a lot of people asleep at the wheel. Asleep at the wheel. There's so much going on. There's so much traffic. There's so many things and warning signs that are on this road we call life and within our culture that we seem to be oblivious to and asleep to. We're asleep behind the wheel. I think as a culture, but many times we're also asleep behind the wheel as individuals, it happens. What do you do when you are asleep behind the wheel? Now, God's Word has a lot to tell us about what to do if we find ourselves or I find myself asleep at the wheel in life. So if you have a Bible with you, I wanna invite you to open it to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is one of the most concise yet comprehensive applications of Christianity. Scholars say it is the premier work of the guy who wrote so many letters in the New Testament by Paul. Ephesians is a book that's so dense yet so powerful. So as we look at what's happening in our culture, as we look at what's happening in the world. We're also going to see what's happening in God's Word. And in doing that, I'm going to be picking up snapshots, highlights from this incredible power-packed book called Ephesians. Ephesians is really all about encouragement. Encouragement. It's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? It's easy to live in a place of disappointment and fear. And one of the main things we need is encouragement. Encouragement in your relationships, encouragement in your job, encouragement at school. We need simply a word of encouragement. I love the quote from Mark Twain years ago. He said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> right? That says a lot, doesn't it? And we live in such a put down, critical, hate-filled society to have an encouraging word is so important. So this word in Ephesians is so encouraging to us. It tells us what we're to do corporately and individually if we find ourselves asleep at the wheel. Look at Ephesians chapter five, verse 13 says this. It says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Now that he says it like, that's why it said, as if it's known. So he's writing again to a city called Ephesus, it's modern day Turkey, Ephesus is one of the five most powerful cities in the Roman Empire. Houston is the fourth largest city in America, right? Ephesus was a port city, Houston is a port city. Ephesus was international, we're we're international as well. So this book's very relevant to us. And he said, there's a saying going around, maybe it was a praise chorus or a hymn. They didn't have Chris Tomlin back then, but who knows? Wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. Look at verse 15. Be very careful, not just careful, but be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil, the days are dark. The days are full of fear and in that, God speaks light, his light shines and his light illuminates the darkness and brings those things that were secret or subversive into his light. So the first word of encouragement that God has for us coming out of Ephesians for today is very simple. And that is, you can see it there is to wake up. Wake up, wake up. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something. And if you're an introvert, you're gonna, not gonna like this. I'm an introvert. If I was where you were now, I'd be like, I don't like this. Sorry, you're gonna play. Extroverts, you like it, okay. I want you to turn to your neighbor, the person on your right and your left and look at them and say, wake up. Wake up, wake up. All right, spouses, you can stop now. You can stop. This is not what that is about. Wake up. We need to wake up. Erwin Lutzer is a teacher, and author, and here's what he says about the times we're living in. He says, we're living at a time when that which was once celebrated is now being condemned, and that which was condemned is now being celebrated. We're living in a culture, I believe, that's obvious, that's committed to indoctrinating our children, indoctrinating our families, our businesses, sports culture, entertainment, with a very divisive and destructive worldview and agenda. It hits every strata of our society. Our response to this collapse of our culture, if you would, in many ways, a type of anti-culture movement is not to retreat into a little holy huddle and sing kumbaya as the world goes to hell in a hand basket. We can't do that. God calls us to be salt and to be light. And in this passage, he calls us to wake up. To wake up, to be aware, to have our eyes and our ears and our minds wide open to what is going on around us. So as we start looking into this series, as we start going through different highlights of Ephesians, we're gonna to try to understand exactly what is happening in our culture. How did we get here? And then now, where are we to go in the future? How are we to respond to our culture as a church, as individuals, and as citizens of this particular country at this particular time. I wanna be clear though, the battle that that we're fighting right now is not a political battle, it's not a cultural war, it is, make no mistake about it, a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. So. It's it's not unique, we're not unique. We're not special, we're not special at all. People who have been a part of the church and God's people have always been swimming against culture in many ways and at many times. This is simply, as someone said, the normal Christian life. At the same time, as we are entering into spiritual warfare, our weapons are, are not Weapons that people use today. Our weapons, our primary weapon is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel, as we saw last week when Trey Gowdy was here, is the power of God. Romans 1.16 says, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel is good news. That is our initial wake up call, isn't it? Somewhere in your life and in my life, along the road of life, we were asleep at the wheel in some ways, doing our own thing, going the wrong way, on the wrong path, on the wrong road. And we had a wake up call to the reality of who God is and who we are. We realized, wow, I am really messed up. I am broken, I am empty, and I am separated from this God who who I know made me And I know has a plan for me, but my own selfishness and self-centeredness has separated me. And then we wake up to the reality, wow, I'm kind of starting to get it now. God has done something to bridge that chasm between me and him. He has sent his son as a mediator, a go-between, to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a sacrificial death we could not die, to rise again, to take away the fear of death that we could be forgiven and then connected to God, the father who knows us and loves us. That's the gospel. That's our initial wake up call. Wake up. So if we're asleep behind the wheel in life, the first thing we need to do as individuals is to wake up. If we're asleep behind the wheel in church as a community, then we need to wake up to what's going on out there and in here and respond in a way that God would have us to do with his gospel. All right, what else does this passage say for us here in Ephesians chapter number five? It says, first of all, wake up, right? Second of all, in verse 15, it says, wise up. Okay, fellow introverts, look to your neighbor and say, wise up. Wise up, wise up. Okay, parents to your kids, that's enough. Wise up. Look at verse 15. What does it say? Be careful how you live your life, not as, wise, not as unwise, but as wise. There was an advertisement that was placed years ago that said, listen, this is pretty funny. Lost yesterday, somewhere between sunrise and sunset, two golden hours, each set with 60 diamond minutes. No reward offered for they are gone forever. Time is the most precious commodity that we have. And the time, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, we waste. We can't get them back. We can't get them back. So as God wakes us up, He doesn't just wake us up to have some kind of initial experience. He wants us to wise up and to live our days intentionally as wise men and wise women. Now, I get asked all the time, hey, how can I pray for you? And my response 99.9% of the time is this, pray that God will give me wisdom. That's my prayer. If you wanna pray that God will give me wisdom for the multiplicity of decisions that I have to make. Why? Because your decisions determine your destiny. They do. The choices you make on a day-in and day-out basis determine your destiny. I want to make wise choices. How do we get wisdom? Do we pray for wisdom? Yes, we do pray for wisdom, but at the same time, we seek wisdom. Does that make sense? I mean, sometimes I think we pray for things that we probably shouldn't pray for. Again, you should pray for wisdom, but. I remember a while back, I was going through a a tough season. I was asleep behind the wheel. And I was praying, oh, God, do this. Oh, Jesus, do this. Help me heal. Intervene, da-da-da. And finally, it's like I heard God say as he leaned over the balcony of heaven. Not really. It's just a metaphor, okay? But it was almost like God was saying, Ben, you do it. I'm not going to do it. I've done this and done this. But, Ben, you need to do that. I've given you a mind, I've given you hands, I've given you feet, okay? I've given you you some talents, but you do that. And I think it's the same way with wisdom. God, God wants us to seek wisdom. He wants us to pursue wisdom. How do I order my days in a better way, in a wise way? How do I do that with my money? How do I do that with my job and career? How do I do that in my relational world? How do I live? How do I make wise decisions? How do you pursue it? One of the best ways I know to pursue it, it's worked for a lot of people that I look up to, that I try to model my life after, is by diving into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is full of all kind of wisdom about every area of life. So like I said, if you're here today and you're new and you're like, man, some of this Christianity is just so esoteric. I really don't really understand it. Some of the songs and music, that doesn't really, I like it, but I don't really understand it. I'm not really there yet. Read Proverbs. Proverbs is as straightforward and plain as dirt, but it's absolute gold. Gold, Proverbs is gold. There are 31 Proverbs. You can, you know, read one a day. You go through the book every month. If not, just read, I mean, read a chapter a day or you can read a few verses. It doesn't matter. You say, where's Proverbs? Well, open your Bible to the middle. You run into Psalms, turn right, and you're in the book of Proverbs. That's where you'll gain wisdom is by learning these, these golden nuggets of truth and wisdom that God has for us in that book. So what do we need to do right now We need to wake up. We need to wise up. Make wise decisions. Your choices determine your destiny. And no no matter where you are, if you're asleep behind the wheel, if you're spinning in a 360 or you're in the ditch like I was, wherever you are, make that next wise choice. Whatever that looks like for you. Make the next wise choice. If you're in the ditch or if you need direction or if you're asleep, and God, God, what is that? What's that next step, that next choice I need to make? As I said before, you've already made one wise choice. You know, you can give yourself a check. You're here at church, right? Made to church, it was even threatening to rain and you're still here. I love that, right? If there's just a threat of rain just to drop, that'll keep every Baptist out of church but it could be porn and monsoon and Frank Billingsley is freaking out on channel two, but I'm going to the Texans game. <laughs> I'm going to see my Aggies, my Baylor Br- I mean, anyway, it's amazing, is it? Speaking of wise choices, anyway, wise up, second point. Third thing, what's the last thing he says? Verse 16, he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, so the next thing you need to say, this is the last thing, introverts. Woo-hoo-hoo! Turn to your neighbor and say, "Warm up, warm up, warm up, warm up, warm up, warm up. You got to warm up. Why? Because we get cold. I get cold." It's easy with the onslaught of what's happening in our world and culture today, you feel inundated everywhere you turn, everywhere you go. It's easy to get a cold, cynical, sarcastic heart. And God has all these opportunities right before you, right before me, and we just miss, we just miss them. We just miss them because we're too bitter, we're too angry, or we're too resentful. And we're not making the most of the time that He's given us and the opportunities He's given us to make a difference in the lives of someone else, to speak that word of encouragement. So you have to pray, God, you know, take my cold heart. Take my sarcastic heart, God. Have mercy upon me, change it warm, my heart so I can be aware of of what's going on and the people that are in my life those that I know that are close to me those that I meet along the way so that I can make the most of every opportunity because I know there's some people here that you feel like you're in in a, a place in your life where something has just ended and it's easy when you're when you're at a dead end in life, the, the dead end sign, you're not just asleep at the wheel, but you're at this dead end. It's to think, man, this is it. There's nothing beyond that dead end sign. But listen, every ending, every ending, right? We all know this is simply a beginning. So just because this chapter is ending, ended doesn't mean there's not another chapter, another opportunity that's out there waiting for you that God has for you as you get back on track and stay on his road for your life. Every ending is really a new beginning. It's a new chapter that you're walking into. And then look at that promise he gives us, right? If we wake up, the the light of Christ is going to shine down upon us. Man, I need his light in my life. I need his light to shine on me in this dark world. I want to be a person of light. When we wake up and when we wise up and we warm up, God uses us and we seize the moments. We seize these opportunities we have to make an impact with this one and only life that God's given to us. I love the story about, about a, guy, a guy who was blind from birth by the name of Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus' is in Mark chapter 10, and he uh, lived in a town called Jericho, and he was uh, on the streets, he was a beggar, he was a street person. And one day as he was begging, asking for money, he heard this commotion in a big crowd, and he heard the name Jesus. He heard that name Jesus, and, he had heard stories about Jesus and that this Jesus guy, you know, was a new teacher. And not only was a teacher that he maybe had healed people who were blind and deaf and who were lame. And so Bartimaeus said, this is my opportunity. This is my moment. So he yelled out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd said, shh, be quiet. Bartimaeus, be quiet. He doesn't want to be with you. And Bartimaeus seized the moment. <laughs> he just yelled louder. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus heard him and said, bring, bring this guy to me. And so the crowd looked at Bartimaeus and said, hey, it's your lucky day, it's your moment. He wants to see you. So they helped him and they brought him and placed him right before Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, what can I I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, teacher, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. And Bartimaeus, eyes were open and he was awake and he could see. And the Bible says, and he began to follow Jesus down the road. He cried out for mercy to the one who could give it to him. And he was healed and he was awake and he began to follow his new master, his new mentor down that road. You gotta love good old formerly blind Bartimaeus.